Hey guys, this is Paris Hilton. Trapped in Treatment is back, and this season we're taking on WASP, the worldwide association of specialty programs and schools. They held us in dog cages. They starved us. They beat us. It was trying to brand us. So we were going to become the McDonald's of kid treatment. Join my host as they unravel the story of the largest and most shocking organization in the history of the troubled teen industry. Listen to season two of Trapped in Treatment on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. I'm excited to announce a new season of my podcast, Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. Our guests this season show us big risk can yield big rewards. Like Rob Riley, the creative head of one of the world's leading advertising firms. I try to create environments where anybody can say anything without any judgment. Listen to a brand new season of Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Pridecast with Jonathan Bennett and James Vaughn on iHeartRadio. Hey, it's Jonathan Bennett, and this is iHeartRadio's Pridecast, your weekly dose of love, laughter, and hopefully a little bit of inspiration and a reminder to be proud of who you are. Welcome to Pridecast, everybody. I'm joined with my husband, who is in Virginia right now, James yeah. Vaughn. Hi, baby. Oh, and Virginia I miss you. is virginia Oh, baby, I miss you, too. It is, You're it Virginia-ing. You went home because mom got the vid, and mom, so James yeah. had to go home and visit vid mom. So we're, we're, we're taking care of mama. We, get, we got her on the mend. Had to give my brothers a little bit of a break, and uh, we're doing it. So I'm here. You're there, and I'm- We're here. We're queer. Get used to it. Oh, the queerest. But baby, I'm excited. All right. So maybe I'm not excited for me for this topic, but I'm excited for you for this topic. Be honest. When you're married to somebody, you know their excitement means the most to you, right? So- Today, we have on the show Nina West, who's starring in Hairspray on tour right now. And that allows us to talk about my husband's favorite topic in the entire world to start this show off. And that is musicals. We're talking about musicals. It's the best episode ever. It's musicals. My baby loves anything with a song, anything where they are explaining to you what is going on through music. Okay, first of all, for the record, when I first met James, he wasn't a musical theater fan. He like tolerated them and sang them and like knew them, but he wasn't into them. So I really, well, it was I had a to test of love. Stuff. It was a test of love when I mm-hmm. took him to see the, our first musical direct, first musical together. Babe, do you remember the first musical we saw together was? Oh, wait, you took me to see something rotten, right? Yes. That's why that was a, rotten. That was a good one to pull me into the musical world on because it's funny. 
It's a comedy musical, and, and they there's make a song fun of the it's fact a musical. that it's a musical. Uh -huh. Yeah, it, there's a song in it about making fun of musicals. So I thought you would like that. Also, it's one of the best shows ever, ever written. Some of the best songs. Raymond. Raymond's with us, our in-studio producer, our, our Gen Z-leaning, fabulous love bucket, <laughs> Raymond. Raymond, are you a musical fan? Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh my god you Raymond, to, i hear you, you not i feel you is this a gen z thing is it because i'm old and no, that gen don't, zers don't I like don't, musicals no i think that like i'm like young enough where it's like you weren't closeted gay into theater you could just do a bunch of other stuff you oh, were like wow. you're like i didn't do musicals <laughs> i did tiktok <laughs> <laughs> no, i didn't even do tiktok i mean i was definitely like i had a myspace for like a second you know what i oh mean oh my god yeah. yeah. Oh but, my God. Like, no, but that, that's what Raymond said right there. Like, that's such a good point. Like, theater was an outlet for us. Like, yes, baby, as much as I was not a musical gay, I did the musicals in high school because it was a space where you could go yes. and be loud and be boisterous and be the most and, and perform and, and get to be as much of yourself as you, you could or felt safe to in that moment in time. So, I, I think that does maybe speak to why. It, the gays of a certain age love a musical so much because it was a place where we could go like did i really want to be in guys and dolls did i really want to be in anything goes no but did i, I think I you wanted to be, wanted to stage, be in guys be more than dolls <laughs> hey 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 yo take it there always got to go i mean i'm just here's we're talking line. about pride okay you're proud of it it's fine it's proud of it but it is the musical theater and high school theater was your safe place it was the place you would walk into and you would be celebrated for being different when everyone else would would just not to no pun intended but would rain on your parade when everyone else would rain on your parade as you were going through your daily high school activities and tell you how awful you were or make you feel insecure the musical theater room and like the auditorium was the place that you would be celebrated you would literally stand on stage and people would clap for you because of your queerness and your weirdness and so it it's definitely where i fell in love with musical theater i think i've been in probably like 32 musicals in my life like through high school and through everything like i it is my favorite thing in the world it, it's actually funny because most people say like what do you watch what do you watch on netflix what do you watch on amazon and oh, james will true. tell you i don't I only watch YouTube videos of musicals and people think that's like, I'm being funny. Like that's a joke. No, it's true. Like if you look at my Netflix account, like I don't watch anything except Ozark with James or true crime, everything else I'm watching YouTube musicals because it's just a place to escape. And there's so many, it just takes you to another world. You just get to sit there and like fall in love with these songs and these, Ugh, I love it. I, I can talk musicals the, all day long. I came into the bedroom a couple weeks ago and, and Jonathan is watching a video of all the girls from Wicked singing the high note just yeah. in a row. It's called in a, a row. It's on the loop. Defying it's like Gravity a compilation. Five minute segment mm -hmm. of just the same thing. Yes, over the same and over. note. Mm -hmm. And he's loving it. He's yep. like all climbing all over the bed. Jenny like, Denoya, like Eden Espinosa, uh, Jackie Burns. Uh, I'm forgetting a couple that I love, so don't hate me, but there's a lot of them that are my favorites. Uh, and it is one of my favorite things to do listen yeah. to people sing musicals i could Speaking listen of to, wicked. i could listen to Derek kleena or aaron tveit sing anything for days that's all i do all right, baby let's go back to wicked real quick okay why don't you tell everybody how many times you have seen i've seen wicked 29 wicked. times 29 i've seen 29 it. times two I've of those wicked times 20 right huh two of those times i saw it with yes you? 
And yeah. I will sing every song to every lyric to every word. I know everything about every Jerry Mitchell show ever made in the history of life. I know every word to every song. I know all the choreography. I've memorized <laughs> it. I know everything. I am like what Star Trek people are to like, like in Star Wars, like the fans that are like the Trekkies and like that. I'm that to musicals. Like I'm that weird of a nerd. Here's my story of the time I broke out in hives when I met Eden Espinosa and Megan Hilty backstage at Wicked at the Pantages. Picture it. Hollywood, 2000, let's say 2010, whatever. Somewhere around there. I was I was I went with my friend Robbie to see Wicked and we were or no, I'm sorry, I went with my friend Allie to see Wicked. And it was Eden Espinosa and Megan Hilty. And I got to go backstage and there because I had a friend in the show and she was like, do you want to come backstage and meet everyone after the show? I said, of course. Well, I'm sitting there. Megan Hilty comes up to me and is like, oh, my gosh, I'm a huge fan. We watch Mean Girls every time we're getting ready, to which I replied, you know who I am? And I started crying. And then and sh she was Glenda. And then Eden F Espinosa, who played Alphaba, came walking out. And started talking to me and I said to my friend, Allie, we have to leave. And she said, why? And if you looked on my neck, I was breaking out into hives because I was so <laughs> excited to meet Eden Espinosa because she was my favorite that like I couldn't even speak. And then she invited me to her birthday party and I lost it. And I was like, sure. Yeah, I'd like to come. Like I was so awkward and so stupid and I had hives on my neck and it was just such. I was just such an idiot, like such a loser. And then <laughs> and then. Uh, cut to like, I go to her birthday party, become friends with her. Cut to like a year later, we're at pilot auditions, and Eden Espinosa comes walking out of a pilot audition. And I was supposed to be next on the list to go in, and I saw her come out, and I was like, Oh my gosh, hi. <laughs> and the casting director was like, Okay, Jonathan, you're next. And I was like, No, you have to put someone in between us. She's like, What? I was like, Let that guy go. They're like, why? I go, because whatever Eden Espinosa did in that room, I'm not going to come close to doing in that room. And I don't want to be the one that has to follow whatever Eden Espinosa just did. And they're like, are you serious? I'm like, yes. And so they put someone else in the room. And then I went after the next guy. So Wait, I can vouch for how stupid you are when you meet musical theater people. So we went to go see Moulin Rouge on Broadway and Aaron Tveit oh, was God, the I can't lead of it about at the it. time. I can't, babe, you can't talk. I'm so, starting to sweat no, right now. No. Look. Just talking about Aaron Tveit on Broadway, I have sweat stains coming so from I'm my So I'm going to tell you the story. So oh, God. What, what all the like 30-year-old <sighs> women do when they meet Jonathan, <laughs> that's what he did when he met Aaron Tveit. So Aaron comes out. They, they, like, we wait after the show and like we're on stage waiting for him to come out. And like Max Clayton comes out and the like, people from the cast. And we're like, hey, what's up? Just, just chilling, rapping, having a good time, right? Aaron comes out. Jonathan starts tugging on the bottom of his shirt like a toddler and then like pulling it up and out in front of him, like just stretching his shirt out and, and like moving in this like weird, strange circle. And Aaron's like, um, hi, N nice to meet you. <laughs> oh God, and Jonathan's so just like, oh, oh, it was so blah, blah. embarrassing. It was ridiculous. I've never seen my baby do this in his entire life. It was the funniest thing I have ever seen. And I was like, baby. You literally did what all the Mean Girls fans do to you, and it was hilarious. Because he's my number one favorite. I And he just left Moulin Rouge May 8th, but that's a whole other story. I can't wait to see Derek Kleena in it, because Derek Kleena is also equally amazing, just different. Aaron, Devo Aaron DeVate's voice, I think, is a different tone, but I like both equally. However, that's not the point. The point is, what about the time I met Kayla Settle 
from huh. the greatest showman at the hollywood bowl okay picture so we go to see this annie is at the hollywood bowl this is another final embarrassing story I, jonathan took me to see annie which is a true testament of love because like annie at the Ho hollywood bowl. Grown man it was amazing it's amazing so we go there and then i, I see kiala settle who's the from this is from the greatest showman the the bearded lady and Clearly. she's she we sings she this is. is me the song which is my favorite new favorite Super musical star. song and i see her and she's with some people i know and i walk up to her and i start shaking and i just go well no you had you had lapped for about 10 minutes yeah, and just I, taking laps around i was her taking laps you got like, do i say something do, do i say something and then and you like wait until the if most you're like, if you're like an actor and you're working in the industry and like people know you you kind of have this like unspoken thing where you're like oh i can kind of walk up to anyone and be like hey and they're gonna be like oh hey and you kind of like know each other a little bit but you don't and it's like this thing so we go you chose the most inopportune time to I finally chose the, walk okay up to so her. she's with a group of people i kind of know and i walk up and i'm like hey guys hey what's going on and really it's just so i can like say hello to her and but I'm he like, waits until she has finally started to put her hair up. okay so she starts to put her hair up like which she's, means like, she's her had hair to put her is in a ponytail in right mouth. she goes to put her hair up in a ponytail and as she do it does it i just put my hand out in her face and go hi i'm jonathan and i hold my hand out there and as she does it she has her ticket in her mouth because mm -hmm. she's using both hands to put up her ponytail and I have realized, oh my God, she's fixing her hair and it's going to take a second, but the ticket's in her mouth, so she can't really respond. And I'm just sitting there with my hand in her face. And so what do I do? I don't remove my hand. Nope. I just freeze and mm -hmm. keep my hand in her mm -hmm. face, yep. just holding it out awkward, locked arm, straight arm out, just locked hand, waiting for her to finish. And she's just got these eyes looking at me like, who are you, crazy person? And I don't move and I just hold it there. And finally, she gets done putting her hair up, takes her ticket out of her mouth and she goes, hi, Kiao. And I'm like, <laughs> hi, nice to meet you. And she's like, nice to meet you too. And I'm like, can I get a picture? She's like, sure. We take the photo and I scurry off like a Mean Girls fan. I'm just so awkward around people. They're in the musicals because I think they are the epitome of talent. Like I get we do in movie making we do hard work and we're on stage and it, or we're in movies and we're on sets and they're 12 hour days and 15 hour days and it's exhausting but at the end of the day what we do is nowhere near what these people do seven eight nights a week live like it's just a different muscle and it's so impressive to me and with that being said let's bring on our guest today who is in the national tour of hairspray with jerry mitchell thank you the one and only nina west we'll be right back with her something that makes me crazy is when people say well i had this career before but it was a waste and that's where the perspective shift comes that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now this is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. 
Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. On Purpose's mission is to create impactful conversations to help you become happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Tiffany Haddish in a hilarious, deep, thoughtful interview where we dive into family trauma, grief, sobriety, love, and dating. You'll be laughing, crying, and have so many impactful takeaways after this interview. I had this, like, you know, homie lover friend for a long time. He's very disrespectful to me, very kind of messed up to me. But in my mind, we could get married. We had the most beautiful babies. He handsome. I'm pretty. Like, it would be so cool. He's smart and intellectual. I'm kind of smart, I think. Like, it would be fun. We have the best conversations. Like, we have fun. But then he would treat me like crap. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss this one. Claim comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter Jason Concepcion. Rosie, somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. It feels so good. It does. And like always, we'll be here every week covering the wide world of TV, movies, comics, and geek culture. That's right. We'll be talking about Batman, heroes of that stature, and of course... We'll be inviting our friends in the industry to come geek out with us and share stories. We'll hear from TV writers, from actors, comics creators, pop culture critics, and more. Nothing is off the table because geek culture is pop culture. And we can't wait to share our love of it all with you every single week. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Everybody, it's a huge day on Pridecast because we are joined by one of my favorite queens of all time and by one of my favorite leads of a musical of one of my favorite musicals of all time. This is why I woke up today. I don't know if it gets any better, but this is this is it right here. We are joined by the one and only Nina West, a.k.a. Andrew Levitt. Andrew, hey. Nina fabulous welcome to the show hi guys i'm so excited to be here thanks for having me yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh like there's so much i want to talk to you about because we're friends we went we, we, we are, are yeah. we're we are good friends we've hung out a bunch and the more the more i hang out with you the more in love with you i fall because you just are doing the work and you're doing the deal and you're the real deal right. and it, you're just so, there's so many things i want to talk about but first of all yeah. you just got off of tour you're on a hiatus right from from yeah. hairspray yes yeah, so we're on a week break it's a layoff before we jump back and finish our final five weeks of tour with uh the show before we take a full break and then go into our second year of touring oh my gosh so yeah. where where did you just come from what was your last stop philadelphia the city of brotherly love hellerb hellerb it, it was fantastic have you guys ever been to philly i've been to philly once i saw like isn't there a liberty bell there or something <laughs> Go no, that's away. somewhere else. <laughs> what? Go away. It, is that not where it is? No, that's where it is. So it's Independence Hall. Yes, yeah, Independence Hall. There. There's a cr bell with a crack in it. <laughs> There's never been a more Jonathan Bennett comment in your life. Major historical <laughs> location. I wanted to take a bell. selfie. 
You yeah, know, it's, a, it's how it you works. Love, you love things with a big crack. I, yes, I do. You, you, you know what? <laughs> know hey. your audience. Hello. Hey, hey. Know who you are. So, so okay. Walk walk us through it. We talked about this yeah. after we saw you in Hairspray. Yeah. We, we we went and saw you in Palm Springs, and it was so epic. Wait, so, where do we have? Where did we have this conversation at afterwards? Where did we go, you guys? Yeah. These, these three butch queens that we are. <laughs> we went to Yard House. <laughs> we went to, we we went to Yard House. And we went to Yard House. There was hockey on the screens. I felt right at home. I was yes. hanging with my bros. Uh huh. <laughs> just eating chicken wings with our hands, getting all dirty. Pretzels. We yeah, did not. We we had the tuna tartare. We, had the, <laughs> we, did, we did have the tartare. James, you were trying to be good. I was like, fine, I'll eat it. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, give me the pretzel. I, I was. I was very much like, is that a carb? I eat those. <laughs> is butter a carb? Um, I eat those. So you get the call from yeah. Jerry Mitchell yeah. to be in like the national tour of Hairspray playing a role that you know, divine played. Yeah. Like what goes through your head? Just walk us through what that call is like. And like, just tell the story because it was so good. Yeah. You know, I was, so I was on tour. I was in Indianapolis and I was doing a tour post my season of drag race season 11, which feels like forever ago now that we're in, like we're going into season. It's season 525,600. I know another Broadway reference. Thank you. I'll be here all day. Go on. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, so I was on tour, I was in Indianapolis. Um, and so it all kind of fits together with the fact that on my season for Snatch Game, I did Harvey Firestein as one of my two characters. Um, and Jerry Mitchell happened to be watching that season and happened to be watching Snatch Game and slid into my DMs and said, wow, you, Harvey would be so proud. Harvey would love this. And Harvey saw it and Harvey, in fact, made some kind of really funny joke. Um, and And that's all I heard from Jerry. And then... Fast forward to August and I was in Indianapolis on tour and I got a phone call from a New York area code and I thought it was my agent calling me about not booking a job. (laughs) (laughs) I know the feeling. Go on. Guess what you didn't book that. um, But you can have a podcast. (laughs) Thanks, guys. Cool. That's my life. And um, So I answer the phone. It's Jerry Mitchell. And he says, Nina West, it's Broadway's Jerry Mitchell. As if. I didn't know who it was anyway. I mean, mm-hmm. like he just had to say Jerry. He could have said Jerry and I would have been like, it's Jerry Mitchell. Um, and he says, it's Broadway's Jerry Mitchell. And I just want you to know, I had a dream last night about you. And I was like, okay, where is this conversation going? <laughs> <laughs> and um, he said, you know, you, I had a dream that you have to be Edna. And I said, and I was like, I'm sorry, what? And he was, I can't, he's like, I don't know what it means. More on it, I'll, I'll be in touch. And I don't hear from him for months. Months go by, August 2019, <laughs> then it, full circle comes. I sent him an email in like October. I was like, hey, thanks for that. Thanks for such a great phone call. It's in checking in, you know, it's going to make sure everything was okay. Nuts. And then I, yeah, nuts. And then I hear from him in December and he goes, hey, okay, here's the deal. We're going to be reviving Hairspray on a national tour for its 20th anniversary. And we want you to be Edna. There's a couple things we have to have you do, but everybody's interested in you being Edna. And I was like, what? I'm sorry. So, I mean, wow. Yeah. So I, I mean, the initial phone call, when I got the call in August, when he says, I can't talk about it right now, I'll, I'll be in touch. I hung up the phone and I started crying and I was like, is this, is this, is, is this how it happens? Is this, <laughs> is it? this is the thing they it? talk about. Yeah. Is this, is this, the, is this the way to the great Broadway? I, I didn't know how it worked. And um, so, that, so 
my my initial reaction was like just I think I was just in shock. I was in pure shock that this Broadway legend is calling me about this iconic role. And the process was really quite simple. I flew to New York in January and I met Jerry and Jack O'Brien, who is a very iconic, legendary uh, theater director who's directed everything from the Full Monty to uh, Shakespeare. He's a huge catalog of, of Shakespeare. He was, he was the uh, artistic director at the Globe in San Diego. I mean, he is just iconic. And he directed the original company of Hairspray on Broadway. And um, I met them for dinner. And I remember going into the restaurant in, in, on Restaurant Row in New York City. And I, was, I walked into the restaurant and there sat Jack and Jerry. And Jerry goes, ah, come on, I got over here, over here. And I went in and I sat down in the booth and Jack O'Brien looks at me and goes, all right, what else do I, he goes, okay, what are we having for dinner? And I was like, looked at Jerry and I was kind of like, is that it? Is this it? <laughs> Just how it works? <laughs> is this it? And Jerry goes, we ordered. And it turns out, I mean, like, so people who are listening don't think it was just given to me. I had to go in and I had to do a work session with, like, Mark Shaman and no Scott big deal. Whitman. I mean, like, no big you know, deal. And, and Jerry and Jack and the entire creative team who put Bro- uh, Hairspray on Broadway originally in 2002. And so I went in and I did a work session with them for about an hour. And I walked away and I was walking down the street. And my phone rang. It was it was my agent this time. And my agent said, yeah, congratulations, you're going to be going on tour. And that's... I mean, that's, that's the story. And would you, I mean, you, you asked the question, is it the biggest thing that I think I'm still trying to wrap my head around nine, like eight months later, after we've opened the show and toured around the country is like, I've befriend, I've become friends with Harvey Firestein, who is an idol of mine and who is um, someone who I really love and really respect who originated the role on Broadway uh, in Philadelphia, not five days ago, we had original company cast members of the original John Waters movie in attendance who met us afterwards to talk about Divine, who they called Divi, who I've never, you know, they called Divine Divi. That was his nickname to them. And they were sharing stories and relating these really wonderfully powerful, trashy, fabulous John Waters isms to us as a company. And the whole thing still feels really very surreal. And I feel really grateful that I get to be the one who is walking in this right now. You know, like it's pretty fantastic. And I didn't, I always wanted this and I didn't see it. And I mean, I visualized it, right? I think like, I think we've talked about this, the power of like visualizing and speaking into existence, the things that you want. Somehow this, I I wanted this, but I didn't necessarily think this was on my path. And here we are. (laughs) I mean, I have chills. I have tears. Tears, honey, tears. Tears, honey. And it's, it's. It's just because I know, like, I get it. Like, I, what, you're from Ohio. I'm from Ohio. We were those theater queens in high school that, like, like, I know what your Saturday nights were like. Your Saturday nights weren't out of the games. Your Saturday nights were, like, with you and your hags in your basement, listening, <laughs> putting on, you know, whatever, singing Rent and pretending to be Angel. And, like, oh my or God, whatever yeah. it was. like Or watching The Crow and having all these emo feelings. And then listening to Rhett and going, oh. Yeah, so they get me. They get me. They understand. I mean, like, that was my weekend. You understood? Yeah, you get me. Yes, that's 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 what we did. And, like, and like Tony Award night, forget it. Like it was a big you, deal. It was like <laughs> everything. And so like to to be that that kid in school and then to just go on drag race and then have Jerry Mitchell call you and say that. Like I I there's two things I under, like don't understand in the world. I don't understand how airplanes fly. 
I, I, I mean, I, they tell me, but I don't get it. I understand, but I don't. And then this conversation right here, like, I understand what you're saying, but I don't get it. Like, I'll never get it because it's just so friggin' surreal and awesome. And I'm just, it's, it's just so enthralling. And like, but then you get here, you, you have this phone call that happens where it's like, is this how it happens? You just get a call from a Broadway producer. And next thing you know, you're Edna Turnblatt. Like you get yeah. that phone call, but then you go to something like Drag Race season 11, which you were on. And, you know, you, you originally like tried out for it, like what, nine times? Yeah. No, yeah. To be on Drag Race. So it's just yeah. like such a yin and yang of how, you know, like how the business is and how the world works. So mm -hmm. you auditioned nine times to be on RuPaul's and finally made it season 11. What was it like going back every time for those auditions, you know? Well, I mean, every, as we, every know take. This, yeah, as we know this now, every season, the momentum just kept building. Mm -hmm. Everything felt more, it felt more important for me to keep auditioning because. You know, I auditioned, I was, I was inquired about for season one and no one knew what this RuPaul project was. Haha, ha, look at mm -hmm. us now, <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, so, so they had inquired about me in season one. And I was like, I can't, I was a national title. I was, reign I was, I had won a pageant, a national pageant. You're uh, like, sorry, I'm doing a pageant in no, Muskogee. No, I didn't know. I mean, you didn't I'm know. Sorry. You didn't know. I'm, I'm doing who hit Nelly with a flounder <laughs> in Wichita. It's opening night, can't be there, sorry. Wichita, oh, I've never been, but we're going. Um, <laughs> on the national tour of hairspray uh, for tickets, go to hairspray.com. <laughs> um, no, but like I, every season it became more important, I think. And I think, I mean, I'm, I'm, there's so many different things I want to say. Drag race became, and has become this thing with which people like me, um, can, uh, really get exposure around the world for something that we do and something that we love so much that otherwise um would often be relegated i think to bars and to nightclubs and and that's where i cut my teeth like i did i've done work in bars and nightclubs for 17 years prior to my ever being on drag race and um and so i think that the show is so powerful that it has apps for me specifically i can't speak for anyone else's experience has changed my life drastically you know like uh so i i'm glad i auditioned all those nine times and I'm glad I got on when I did. I was on the season, the last season before the pandemic. And so I got to travel the world like two and a half times over before, and I'm in a nine month period before COVID hit. And so, and season 12 and 13 haven't had that experience yet. And season 14 is getting that experience. You know, so it's like everything happens for a reason. And if my time was when it was, and hopefully I'll get to go back and experience that magic again. But um, I, all I know is I'm eternally grateful. And I try to say this every time I talk about a new project or something, it wouldn't be, it wouldn't have happened without RuPaul and it wouldn't have happened without the casting producers and directors. Mm -hmm. It wouldn't have uh, like, I, you know, Hair, Hairspray came from this and yeah. the book came from this. And I mean, all these wonderful opportunities and things that I've done have come from this. And I know that, and I'm I, very grateful. I love that about you because you, I think we share the same quality there. And I think it's such an important quality. Like, it, with Mean Girls, like mm, I know yeah. my whole life is dedicated to Tina Fey and Lauren Michaels. Like mm. I owe them every single job I get, everything I do, it's because of them and because them believing in me and get, taking a chance on me that opened up every single door. So I get that. And what I think is so funny is like some people as they get success and it grows, they wanna shy away from like the thing that made them and mm -hmm. I just think it's so rude. I'm like, guys, you wouldn't be here without that. Like, right. that's why, like, I whenever there's like a Mean Girls reference or people want to do something Mean Girls related, 
I always lean into it because I'm like, of course, like you, this makes so many people happy. And this is what started my career. Like anytime someone wants me to say it, your hair looks sexy, push back or like ask me what day it is. Like I will tell them it's October 3rd because just, you got to just pay the respect, like got to pay right. the piper, you know? And I think yeah. you do that with RuPaul always like, you know, blowing up how great the the show was and how how much it did for you and i think that's so important and i think that's really respectful respectful and a very good quality for someone to have in the business so good job on that thank you Jonathan. well and it's nuts too i think if you look at the universe so like we went and saw you in hairspray and yeah. it is an absolute no-brainer that you would be in that role in that capacity like you so absolutely fantastic i mean the number the one number you guys do where you get the standing ovation in the middle of the show every time i mean come on like it's called timeless okay (laughs) just so you know dan it's timeless to me i mean i'm not a musical person but i just remember that number and being like well damn this is real good (laughs) but but you look at like like you should have been timeless to me with nina west on broadway or the national tour broadway tour and you're like the song where they get the standing ovation it's called timeless james it is timeless to me and it's one of the best songs ever written in the history of the world my love my point is that you should have been in this role like you always should have been in this role and it's just so crazy sometimes the road that the universe will take you on to get there because it's such a no-brainer but had you not harvey firestein during Snatch Game yeah. on Drag Race, which you auditioned for nine times, you might have never been exactly where you were supposed to be. It's Everything so nuts. I really believe it, James. Everything does happen for a reason, even when it feels like the world is ending. And it's been, I've been there. I mean, there was a there was a time when I auditioned for Drag Race, and I think it was like season eight. And I, th- I don't know if I've ever shared the story. I think it was like season eight, and I didn't. And I, I was kind of being held on the line and they're like, oh, don't worry, we're going to get back to you. And then it found out like they were already, all the girls were gone already and they were a week oh. filming. And I was like, why? So I was kind of like, well, why is that happening? Why are they kind of keeping me on the line? And then I did an audition for season nine. Like I took nine off to, from the auditioning. I was like, I'm not going to do this. I don't. And then like, everything just happens for a reason. Like everything happens. I truly believe that. I truly, truly believe that. So we could have had you on the Bob the Drag Queen season. Oh, my God. That was season eight. That was season eight. That was season eight. Yeah, and I'm glad I wasn't on that season. Like, <laughs> Bob was like, hi, welcome to my show. Yeah, Bob, I'll be yeah, winning everything. Yeah, Thank you. I mean, yeah, I, yeah I, I know Kitten with the Whip so well. I wasn't going <laughs> to. That's her first drag game, by the way, Kitten with the Whip. <laughs> oh. Fun yeah. facts here on Pridecast. Yeah. Wow. Oh, happy Pridecast. all right guys i hate to interrupt you but i think it's time for this week in gay history oh it sure is but baby i need the fancy introduction so i can do it please take it away every week we like to celebrate something in gay history because in order for us to move forward we always have to remember where we came from so james what happened this week in gay history I think it's important to do some stuff that's not so long ago to remind everybody that Our rights and our privileges are very new and we have to continue fighting for them. So this week in gay history in the year 2015, Secretary of Defense Ash Carter announced that the military equal opportunity policy had finally been adjusted to include gay and lesbian military members. So just back in 2015, the equal opportunity policy did not include our LGBTQ plus family, but now it does. That is progress, and that is This Week in Gay History. (laughs) 
something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. On Purpose's mission is to create impactful conversations to help you become happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Tiffany Haddish in a hilarious, deep, thoughtful interview where we dive into family trauma, grief, sobriety, love, and dating. You'll be laughing, crying, and have so many impactful takeaways after this interview. I had this, like, you know, homie lover friend for a long time. He's very disrespectful to me, very kind of messed up to me. But in my mind, we could get married. We had the most beautiful babies. He handsome. I'm pretty. Like, it would be so cool. He's smart and intellectual. I'm kind of smart, I think. Like, it would be fun. We have the best conversations. Like, we have fun. But then he would treat me like crap. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss this one. Hello, acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Rosie, somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. It feels so good. It does. And like always, we'll be here every week covering the wide world of TV, movies, comics, and geek culture. That's right. We'll be talking about Batman, heroes of that stature. And of course, we'll be inviting our friends in the industry to come geek out with us and share stories. We'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics, and more. Nothing is off the table because geek culture is pop culture. And we can't wait to share our love of it all with you every single week. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I want to talk about why you are so different than all the other queens. And I think it's so important because shoulders. It's, <laughs> it's not a- just your. It's not your shoulders. It's I not. Did, I did watch a second episode of All Stars with the Vivian's red shoulder up, and I was like, uh, "I'm surprised I haven't like heard any references yet." I know. <laughs> like, <laughs> caught out. I'm just, I'm just surprised. I'm like waiting for it. <laughs> but when you you have a book coming out in October yeah. called "The You Kind of Kind," it's a children's mm-hmm. book, and yeah. that I, I want to talk about the book, but I also want to talk about why you're able to do these books and why you're so special in the drag community because the drag community has so many colors to it It, it's such Mm -hmm. an eclectic group of people and the content that is shared is very eclectic and what Mm -hmm. you do that's different than i'd say any other queen i've never met another one like you is that you're you're family friendly 
and you i never see you uh throwing shade at anyone even if it is in a roast or in a you know the library is open type of situation you handle your drag and approach your drag with a certain positivity and a certain uh almost childlike wonder for 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 almost to inspire kids and i think that is so important like it was this a conscious decision you made when you you went on the show or because uh, I, I see you you know you're doing like the aquarium in columbus you're doing you know there's so many things you do that are kid-based and i noticed that in your drag you don't you don't cuss you don't you, you don't i make mean sexual references that much like it's a different type of drag and i think it's so special and interesting i think that yeah i think i make uh i think that i make conscious choices and decisions based on the audience that is buying the ticket so if i know that i am doing an 18 and over show the content is going to be different than uh say a family event at um a library right, and right. i think that there i think that there ha like like we allow like Drag is under a, a very specific and kind of, uh, I think, a, a very self-determining microscope by the by the viewer, and that that says that you know queens are X, Y, or Z. And I have had a very long career that I have done very adult material. Mm -hmm. I have I used in a lot of in a lot of my shows and a lot of my act, I have used and have used adult language. Um, like so, I don't think that it is a. I'm not like. I'm not, I don't think I am Disney-fying drag. I think that right. I am, I think I am, I am providing content and entertainment based on the audience that is requesting it. And I think that I've been very decisive in how I do that. And I think that that's, you know, I think people, I mean, people hold me to, a, there are some people within the LGBTQIA plus community who don't agree with what I'm doing. And I, they think that I am, again, like I said, using the term Disney-fying drag, trying to make drag clean and palatable for everyone. And actually I kind of, I think it's an interesting conversation in that we have um, in this, in our, and let's say the last seven years where we have had marriage equality uh, and, and kind of a watershed of, of rights given to us. And now we face them, like we, we see these rights potentially and being pulled away from us. Um, I know that I have queer friends who are coupled, who are not coupled, single parents, parents, uh, queer parents, parents of, of LGBTQIA plus children who are identifying younger and younger, who are looking for and craving content that is a representative of their community that is not necessarily, um, it's also, it, it goes hand in hand with Blue's Clues or it goes hand in hand with um drag race in a sense right and so mm -hmm. i'm trying to, so i'm trying to fill that gap and provide that kind of content that i also love um consuming myself you know like i am a i am a self-proclaimed disney nerd i love you know what i mean i love i love working with that company i am proud to say that i have been working with the company on how to have conversations surrounding the issues uh that are important to lgbtqia plus cast members and their fans um, after the after the colossal uh, failure of the don't say gay uh, bill in Florida, you know, and and there's and I think there I was able I was able to have those conversations because I have also proven that I am willing to show up for this for this part of our community. Um, I'm not turning my back on people who are parents or parents of queer kids who are that to me that is an important and vital aspect of growing up. My whole goal when starting drag was wanting to be representative of the things that i love and also provide voice and space for people who might not have it and 
my career has shifted and changed and evolved and I'm grateful for that. And I'm asking people to come with me. And of course, along the way, I'm going to lose some people and on the way I'm going to gain some people, but the process of growing and, and learning is, you know, trying to be my best self. Am I going to make mistakes? Of course I am. And, uh, I, and of course I ask for grace and forgiveness in my missteps, but I also ask that in my journey, that people will see me for my intent and what I'm trying to do, which is trying to really provide space and voice for those who might not feel like they have it. And we're in such a dangerous time right now where uh, people who are othered are very much under attack from women to people of color to our specifically our LGBTQIA plus community that affects all of us so greatly. But if one is impacted, all of us are. And so we have a, we have a responsibility to really, I think, take a step back and go that this fight looks like and comes in many different shapes, sizes, and forms. And I'm part of that in a, in a, long, in a long history of my work within my specifically my Columbus community. And now post drag race, the, the global community and having conversations that lead uh, to equality and equity. Your <laughs> definition of a leader. Your, I mean, a, a simple, a simple yes would have done, but yeah. um, we'll go with <laughs> the answer. No, you, it's, 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 you know, it's, but it's, it's so, it, it is such a multifaceted prong, right? Because I do feel like um, uh, the religious right hates me because I'm, because I'm a, a man in a dress who is talking to kids. I, the, the amount of times that I've been on Breitbart, featured on Breitbart on their landing page is insane. And and the, and the kind of and what that does is, is it focus it laser points a, a focus on me that it makes it unsafe for me in specific situations when people know where I live and that's proven that time and time again people have shown up at my house left things in my yard and uh, and harassed me in that sense because of the work that I'm doing so the far right hates me and then people within my own community specifically other drag entertainers are like she's a sellout and it's like well actually. Like you have to look at where you have to look at the work that I have done and the work that I'm doing. And it all tells a story and it all does really go hand in hand. And the work that I'm doing is only really truly serving and servicing my LGBTQIA plus community. And so like, I'm, I'm in this, I'm like this really weird conundrum that's kind of walking in its own, in my own lane. And I think it's more punk than anything. Now drag is always a punk middle finger to the status quo. And I think that that's exactly what I'm doing with by releasing a children's book that talks about the importance of kindness by uh, releasing a children's album that has songs celebrating our queer uh our queer attributes to our community like drag um and i think that it's it's just a it's trying to i don't need to convince anybody i believe that what i'm doing is right but hopefully someday some of my lgbtqia plus uh counterparts who also work in this same world of drag will see the importance of the work that i'm doing Listen, Andrew, there will always be critics. We know. Oh, yeah. yeah. Anytime you do anything, there will be critics. But remember, there's also somebody that maybe is still too mm -hmm. shy to say it or doesn't say it for whatever reason that had their life changed because of what you're doing. Mm -hmm. So just remember that. Like, I mean, I'll face 100 critics all day long for that one DM of that person that says, oh, my gosh, seeing you guys living your love loudly and authentically helped me find peace within myself, helped me find hope within myself. So go ahead, critics, do what you got to do to get it out of your system, because we're doing what we're doing mm -hmm. to try to make change for somebody so their life has more hope and more meaning mm -hmm. and they have inspiration.
Andrew, I think I identify with you so much in that space for the fact that, oh, by the way, Andrew's drinking iced coffee right now. This is the Ice Coffee Gay Podcast. We are well, we welcome all iced coffees of any sorry, kind. Sorry. No, it's Was okay. It it's, li- it it's literally my favorite thing in the world. So we welcome, yes. Can I just swirl it? Yes. It's the swirl for me. It's that that's, sound. That's oh, gay that's applause like a mating right call. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like a mating oh call. Um, so I, I think that I identify with you so much in so many respects to what you were saying, because in a way, what James and I do, and specifically what I do, is very similar in the acting world and kind of on social media with, you know, my target audience is like Food Network and Hallmark and doing, you know, being the first gay couple to do a Hallmark movie and being the first, you know, gay storyline, first gay kiss to go in and break the mold, which is what James and I have done, not only on social media, but just like, you know, we were the first gay couple on the cover of The Knot magazine, which is also always a hetero you know, hetero magazine, yeah. if you will, for a year for since its birth, and to go in and break all these these stereotypes and to, to just break the mold is what we've done, and so we get the hate as well. So we understand, but it's like I always say this: I go, the people that already love RuPaul, they're already on our side, whether it be an That's LGBTQ right. plus person That's or right. an ally. If they're fans of RuPaul's Drag Race, we already got them. They're going to help us. They're going to support. They're going to stand up and fight for us. Mm-hmm. It's the people that that don't that aren't on the rupaul side that aren't rupaul fans that that need that kind of i don't want to say safer intro in i don't want to say like a safer introduction but they need something that helps their brain digest differently what it means to be lgbtq plus and if we can help their brain digest it easy more easy easy easier easier why do i saying easier easier easily that's how we change the hearts and minds right like if you're already a fan of rupaul then you're good to watch that but like what if right. what if you know the aunt that's sitting in texas or sitting somewhere that might not be very down with lgbtq plus but has a nephew that's gay that she knows is gay and all of a sudden she sees me and my husband in a hallmark movie adopt a kid and start a family and see what the love looks like between two people where all of a sudden she's just seeing two people fall in love and it just happens to be that it's two guys but you you're she's seeing the love between them and what a family looks like and she goes oh okay well billy's gay if that's what gay looks like then okay maybe that's not so bad you know what i mean like what are those people that were changing the heart's mind because you can't just come at everyone with an you know uh, you know, a giant fly swatter being like, it's everything's gay. And you're, it, you have, you, you can't just beat people over the head that, that don't respond that way. Some people, you know, you have to, you have to respond differently. Yeah. To and each I, person. Ease them in. And I, you have to ooh, ease them in. Ooh. Yeah. Ease them in. I think, but I think you're right because that was my drag point. name. Ease them in. Go on. Ease them. Ease them. Ease them in. I think it's the whole <laughs> point of, you know, like when we, as we go into Pride Month, it is really important that we, we all are craving for wanting to be seen and wanting to be heard for who we are and and what we what we do and who we love and i think that that is intrinsic to i think the conversation here which is you know i might be very different than say uh bianca del rio right who's who is who's incredibly sick we are very different but we are all, we are both working towards the same goal. Exactly. You know? mm-hmm. um, exactly. And, there it is. And that's, and that's, and that's really the bottom line. Like mm-hmm. there's like, and it's kind of like when people, uh, it's, it's a different, it's a different analogy. So I don't even know if it's going to make sense, but there's pie for everybody. 
right? Like, it's not like there's like, it's not like there's only finite pieces of pie. Actually, there's pie for everybody. And once we all kind of come to this, the fact that I need to make it easier for people to have access to the pie, not mm -hmm. to try to hold the pie, hold the whole pie for me. You know what Absolutely. I mean? Like that's, that's really Ugh. where I think it also comes down to is like, oh, well, I see this pie in front of me. Why wouldn't I want to share it rather exactly. than say, because there's plenty of pie. We just have to make sure people have access to the 3.14. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God, I love them. So we're going into Pride Month. By the way, I would, I'll would i vote for you for any office you ever run for, just so you know. Um, <laughs> Thanks. I, I don't know about that. <laughs> what you're saying is, is so important because I think we have to remember because we all get so caught up in the fight, right? We all get so caught up in it that when we see someone doing it differently than us, we can go, wait, but we're doing it this way. I think it's important to let everybody do activism the way they do the activism because our goal is the same at the end of this so if your activism is creating children's books and doing family-friendly drag baby do it because there are right. hearts and minds that are going to be changed right there are lives that are going to be changed because of that because that is a lane that needs to be done while other people are doing the other lanes and it, it's it's strength in numbers like if we're right. all tackling different spaces boom next thing you know we got an army that's right. That's, That's right, right, baby. That's right, baby. It is officially Pride Month. You are on Pride Cast. What does Pride mean to you, Andrew? Over the years, I think it's it's all evolved. Uh, you know, like I grew I when I was in college. I think having the like the term the coming to this term of knowing who I was was I think enough for me. Not even being able to speak it out loud, um, but knowing that I could acknowledge the fact that I was gay was in its own way pride to me. And then I grew up and I was reared and kind of cut my teeth in gay bars and I was surrounded by LGBTQIA plus people who are very different than me, who lived so loudly and it, and it made me really try to, I think, receive pride in a different way. And it meant um, a found family, it meant coming together, it meant having uh, the ability to be who I was and feel whatever I was feeling in any given moment. And now as an adult, having those different lived experiences, I think that pride to me means that uh, it's not, you know, it, it's so, it's going to sound trite, but it's true that it's not just a weekend. It is not just a, a month long celebration. Pride really is something I think as a, as one of the pillars of our community, it's not the pillar of our community that allows us to have our own ability to express our identity, express our truth, uh, and do that safely and um, uh, equitably. And so, for me, pride is about I think reminding those of us who might have who might be out or have the you know, the privilege of living an out life um, to make sure that we provide access and again, like I said, space for those who might not have the ability to do so on a day-to-day -day basis so that they can at least feel comfortable. Like, you know, like what I did initially when I was in college, just acknowledging the fact that w whether or not I ever said it out loud, that I, who I was gay or I was queer. Um, so I think pride and pride is like a lifelong journey. Mm -hmm. It's going to take us, you know, it's, it's a lifelong journey for an individual to feel and understand pride um, in so many different ways that it comes in, into our lives and the way we come into contact with it. You know, and so I think that that's I'm just on a different journey right now than I was when I was 18 years old. And I really love the fact that I can hopefully be a, a light for pride and hopefully allow people to feel their own power within themselves to be who they are.
Uh, it's ever changing. Pride is ever changing, and that's Always. something we hear all the time. And what a what a beautiful answer to what pride means to you here on Thank Pridecast. You. Something else we do because this is something we love doing is sharing people that oh. are doing amazing things. <laughs> <laughs> share. We love, we love, love to, to share. share. Oh, oh. oh my God. I love it. Well. Only oh. Nina West would pick up on that. Um, <laughs> first person to do it. First person you win. That's what we're doing from now on. Um, we love to share people that are doing amazing things for the LGBTQ plus community. And we should like to shine our big gay spotlight on someone that maybe the community doesn't know is doing awesome things. So James, who is this week's big gay spotlight? Who are we shining it on? Oh, this week we are shining my big gay spotlight on Xander Moritz. So we touched on this a little bit earlier. This stupid, hateful, dumb, don't say gay bill in Florida happened. And so Xander, president of his graduating class at Pineview School, uh, was set to speak at his graduation. It's in Osprey, I think that's how you say it. Um, and before he went to speak, he said his principal called him into his office and informed him that in his graduation speech, if he referenced any activism or um, him being gay, that uh, they would cut his microphone and end his speech, halt the ceremony, if you will. So um, Xander, who is an outspoken advocate for our community, I always say the kids are going to save us, y'all. The kids are going to save us. So he did his speech. And because everyone knows him and knows who he is, he used as a euphemism for his gayness, his queerness, his curly hair. So he constantly referenced his curly hair, saying, the first thing you probably think of when you think of me as a human being is my curly hair. And he just kept referring to it as his curly hair, which, by the way, has a beautiful head of curly hair. Curly hair people unite. But was we're referencing his curly hair throughout the speech. And at the end, of course, says the kids gave him a standing ovation because the kids know the kids know what's right. The kids know what's good. It's just these silly, silly uh, adults that haven't haven't found the love in their hearts yet. You call them silly. I call them assholes. But you yeah. know what? <laughs> I guess we'll agree to disagree. The, the people that weren't hugged enough, uh -huh. weren't loved enough. But Xander found a way around it. Xander still inspired those who needed to hear it. And everyone who heard it stood up on their feet and applauded him. So, Xander, we are applauding you We're applauding you, you from Pridecast. Well. I take all of my big gay spotlight this week. It belongs to you. Andrew, is there anyone you want to shine your big gay spotlight on this week? Do you have anyone oh. that you... A friend, um, anyone, it can be anybody, maybe a friend, uh, someone you've worked with, anyone that you just feel like needs a little spotlight on them. Uh, I won. Well, you know, uh, last week, last Monday, I went to New York City to do just to hang out and be a part of the Glisten um, Respect Awards. And yep. they have a new executive director whose name is uh, Melanie uh, Willingham Jaggers, who is just um such a light and so incredible and um i think that the work that they are doing for glisten is so important glisten is an organization that helps students k through 12 uh find footing and also allows for some advocacy work for students in um those grades to be able to have space to be um safe in schools and learn just basically learn uh or support gsas across across the country and i think melanie is um so incredibly awesome and so wonderful and i was in awe to be in their presence and to watch them um i think 
uh, in this in this environment take hold of an organization and lead this organization so proudly and so fiercely. And so shout out to Melanie for uh, all the exciting work that they're going to do with Glisten. All right. If you don't know her, look her up. Get to know her. That's right. All right. Before we go, Andrew, we want to talk about your book. Your book's coming out. It's the You Kind of Kind. Tell yes, us about is. what this book entails. <laughs> Yes. Yeah, so over COVID, um, I worked on a couple projects and the most exciting project that I got the opportunity and the privilege to work on was a children's book that's illustrated by my friend Hayden Evans, who's a brilliant, brilliant uh, illustrator. You can follow him at Hayden Evans Art on Instagram, um, at Hayden Evans Art, H-A-W-A, and never mind, Hayden, at Hayden Evans Art. Did I say that clearly? I hope I did. Um, you got it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but the book is about... Um, uh, little Nina going out into the world and um, experiencing kindness in the world and how to learn how to give kindness. And it's um, it's really exciting. It is really beautiful and it's really fun. And it's already been uh, given a solid review by Dolly Parton. So, oh, friends, oh wow. no big deal. Just a casual Dolly friends, Parton nod yeah, right there. So, friends, what are you waiting for? It's available for pre-order now <laughs> if you go to my website, ninawest.com, and it comes out October 25th. All right, October twenty fifth, the You Kind of Kind by Nina West, the Dolly Parton highly reviewed children's book. <laughs> Go get it right now, pre order it. Like, what more do you want in the oh, world? People? Dolly Parton recommends a Dolly mean, Parton that, recommendation. Okay, no five stars. Yeah. She did. She did. She, listen, Moderna. Uh, yeah. pizza, Mexican yeah. pizza, yeah, the you kind of kind. There it is. <laughs> Dolly's, that, that, Dolly's doing it all. Mm -hmm, that's it. <laughs> like, oh my check gosh! Them off, check them off your list, friends. There they are. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you know, there's so much. There's so many times in the community that we have to stand up and we have to fight. And there's so many times we talk about how hard it is to be a member of the LGBTQ plus community. But I'm pride, and those are all valid and very true and very real. But also there's the flip side to that, that we like to highlight on Pridecast. So we have to ask you, what's your favorite part about being queer and in the LGBTQ plus community? What's the best part about it? I love the people. Are you kidding me? We, I love who we are. I love that we are all so different. And I love the fact that we're all able to come together and have conversations and challenge one another and still hold each other and support each other. Literally, it's, and we're all, and we are so different. We're all so different. And that's what makes, I think, this being queer and my, my lived queer experience so fantastic is that it's, like I said, the journey of pride is always happening because this community is always growing and evolving. The, the people are the best part of being queer. Um, I wow. feel loved and I feel supported and I feel safe and seen every time I'm around another LGBTQIA plus person. And it's oh, so that's so important. It's the people. Yeah, we are kind of the best, aren't we? We're oh my God, love we, are <laughs> love. we are the best. We, I love us. I love us. If you're listening to this and you're part of the community, I love you. I love all of us. We're so friggin' awesome and do so many cool things. And thank God we're gay. That's all I say Amen. to James every morning. Amen. I go, thank God we're gay, babe, because a our relationship <laughs> probably wouldn't work out if we weren't. But you know, it's That'd be weird. It'd be weird. It'd be super weird. But <laughs> I just, I, I love being gay and I love us and. We love you, Nina West, for joining us guys. on Pridecast. Thank you so much. Thank you, you so, much. so, so much. And, you. you know, at the end of the show, I usually have my saying that I love to say. But this this week, I want you to tell everyone your saying. And I'll give you a hint because it's my favorite. It's just your three little things you say, and they're on a T-shirt. Oh, yeah. So yeah, go, go ahead and fit. let's wrap this up. 
with the Nina West of it all and her advice to you. <laughs> Nina? Go big, be kind, and most importantly, be you. All right. There you go. Let's do it. Um, thank you so much. Happy Pride. Thank and you. have a great rest of your tour. If you haven't seen Nina in Hairspray, go check out the website now. And wh where do they go to check out the website? Hairspraytour.com. Hairspraytour.com. Do yourself a favor. Run. Do not walk to see Nina West as Edna Turnblatt in Hairspray, the national tour coming to a city near you. Thank you so much, Nina. Happy Pride. I love you guys. Happy Pride. Thank you for having me. Thank you, Dad. <laughs> Bye. Dad. <Yeah. laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> Hey guys, this is Paris Hilton. Trapped in Treatment is back, and this season we're taking on WASP, the worldwide association of specialty programs and schools. They held us in dog cages, they starved us, they beat us. It was trying to brand us. So we were going to become the McDonald's in treatment. Join my host as they unravel the story of the largest and most shocking organization in the history of the troubled teen industry. Listen to season two of Trapped in Treatment on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. I'm excited to announce a new season of my podcast, Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. Our guests this season show us big risk can yield big rewards, like Rob Riley, the creative head of one of the world's leading advertising firms. I try to create environments where anybody can say anything without any judgment. Listen to a brand new season of Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.